0: Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 41 of the podcast. Something new we're trying here. Instant reaction to the San Francisco 49ers' victory over the Detroit Lions in week one of the 2021 NFL season. And, folks, did the anxiety levels kick up in that final quarter? First quarter, 7-0 San Francisco. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, the Jimmy Garoppolo fumble. It's not a big deal, but you're feeling good, right? The Niners score 24 points in the second quarter. 24 points, 31 to 10 going into halftime. Then all of a sudden, 7 7 in the third quarter. Then it's 3 16. The Niners let the Lions score 16 points in offense that has Jared Goff, Tyrell Williams, DeAndre Swift, who wasn't even supposed to play. 16 points against him and makes this game close at the end. 41-33 was the final score. We're going to get into all of that in today's podcast. Again, episode 41. My name is Sterling Bennett. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Follow us on social media, Instagram, 49ers.access. Twitter, 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing as the season progresses. But let's jump into this Niners victory of over the Detroit Lions, and let's talk about before the game starts. Before the game starts, we're all pumped up, right? We're happy. Then we get the inactive list. Javon Kinlaw, a knee injury. And, well, that's somewhat concerning, although we, we did know that it was going to be an issue going into the season. We knew, or or at least week one, we knew he wasn't feeling too great. Then all of a sudden we see, uh, Trey Sermon. Why is Trey Sermon out? Why is Trey Sermon your third-round pick? The highest place you've ever drafted a running back in the Lynch and Shanahan era. Why is he out? What's going on with Trey Sermon? What's the issue here? Kyle Shanahan said, we only dress three backs. But those are the three after going through training camp and stuff we felt that were the three we we're going to go with. He's referring to Mostert, who got hurt, Elijah Mitchell, and Michael Hasty. If your third-round pick cannot suit up week one of the NFL season to get the ball handed to him by a quarterback and get you three, four yards of carry, that's a problem. If your rookie running back cannot be efficient or at least give you something, Elijah Mitchell had a phenomenal game. Listen to this. Elijah Mitchell posted 104 yards, 19 carries, and a 38-yard touchdown pass. Or excuse me, run. Mitchell's 104 yards are the most by a 49er player in his career debut, surpassing Ricky Waters, who had 100 in 1992 per ESPN. Elijah Mitchell, according to the stats, had the greatest debut of any San Francisco 49er running back of all time. Trey Sermon, who was healthy, third-round pick, couldn't even make his debut. He wasn't hurt he was a healthy scratch what was the problem What it, it, it is inexcusable that Trey Sermon wasn't on the field now he's gonna have to play Raheem Mostert getting the MRI tomorrow that being Monday it's just one of these things where you look at it and you go again drafting a running back highly has again I know week one kind of an overreaction here I understand that but Come week one, it has somewhat backfired in, in you know the, the small span of one week of the NFL season. Do I bring up Joe Williams? Do I bring up Glenn Coffey? Do I bring up guys who we've drafted and had high hopes for and had done nothing The like Michael James? I, again, I'm not comparing Sermon to those guys. What I am saying is, every single time the Niners draft a running back high, it seems to backfire. And it's frustrating to see this because now they need him. Well, if Sermon couldn't go week one and most can't go week two, you're going out there against Philadelphia who just ran through the Falcons today, demolished them with Hasty as a starter, Mitchell as the... probably Mitchell as a starter, Hasty as the two, and Sermon has to suit up? There's no excuse as to why I trade Sermon... Uh, Shouldn't be in uniform come week one of the NFL season after being a third round pick. After being the highest drafted running back in the Lynch and Shanahan era. It's inexcusable as to why he wasn't out there on Sunday. And Elijah Mitchell, phenomenal job. A lot of concerns. He looks explosive. He reminds me of Matt Breida. Matt Breida, kind of an unproven guy, not sure what to expect, and I understand Breida was an undrafted guy. Mitchell, not an undrafted guy. Our final pick in the 2020 NFL, 2021 NFL Draft. But this is inexcusable. Why is Mitchell healthy? He's out there. Why is he more ready than Trey Sermon, who went to Oklahoma, went to Ohio State, third-round pick? Why is Mitchell, who is a raging Cajun, Last pick of the draft for the 49ers, their sixth-round pick. Why is he more ready, more prepared than Trey Sermon? And to be bluntly, I'm happy <laughs> Mitchell's out there. Why wouldn't I be? He had a phenomenal game. Again, 104 yards in his debut. 38 RTDs. He he was the mainstay in the offense. The, the, the team's leader, five and a half yards on the ground. Hasty only had one rushing attempt. Like the, the rushing attack wasn't Raheem Mostert, who got hurt. And don't get me started on Raheem Mostert again. How many times do we have to go through this? And I, I feel for him. Because he's a guy who comes in. His story is incredible. But week one, again, same old story. Potential hurt. Potential. Why well, put on weight? You just finished saying in your press conference, before week one against the Lions, I can't wait to show you guys what I'm made of. I put on weight. I'm excited. Hey, well, guess what? After 2020, and the debacle that was that season, in 2021, what you've shown us thus far is, yeah, the potential is there. We know you're an explosive running back. But what you've shown us is, you can't stay on the field. And now Sermon who is healthy, he can't even be put on the active roster. Like, this is ridiculous. You just can't do it. And I don't understand the issue here, because the Niners, any running back they put in the system, seems to succeed. Sermon can't even be put in the system week one simply because he's not ready? And now Mostert's hurt. Week two against Philadelphia, I have have full confidence in Elijah Mitchell. But the idea that Mostert's now hurt, you have to rely on maybe an unproven person, unproven player like Jermichael Hasty, and now you have to rely on Elijah Mitchell, who can he do it two weeks in a row? I don't know. But your Cox is still in Philadelphia. They're going to eat up the middle. And the the Niners defensive line was great today, but the running room, running back room, I'm very concerned of, or about, excuse me, because, one, the talent is there. But the idea that they can't suit up, and now they're hurt? The skill positions on this team are already thin. And that brings me to Brandon Ayuk. Um, what's going on? <laughs> Shanahan kind of hinted that it might be a hamstring issue. Uh, David Lombardi tweeted that out. And if it is, I understand that he had the hamstring earlier in preseason. That could still be a nagging injury. And so I want to be respectful of, hey, week one, we probably can beat Detroit. shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, and let's hope that's the case. But if Brandon Ayuk, and again, I don't want to allude to anything, but let's not forget, rookies in 2020 didn't get to, you know, experience traveling to different cities in the NFL. Again, I don't want to allude to anything, but it could be a factor. I hope not. I hope Ayuk has his head on straight. It seems to be the case but couldn't really go anywhere in 2020. And uh, from people I've talked to, again, that doesn't mean it's you know a serious thing, but the last thing you want to be is in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Dante Pettis was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Reuben Foster was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse for very different reasons. But because it's an unknown as to what is the deal with Brandon Ayuk, it allows the mind to open up To question things. To, again, and you don't want to go here, but you think of the worst of people sometimes. And I want to give Brandon Ayuk the benefit of the doubt. He deserves the benefit of the doubt. Young kid, who was great last year, had one of the best rookie seasons of any 49er. He looked like the best rookie receiver since Trey Lowens. He really did. And so I'm hoping this isn't a concern. Again, we're going to wait and see what's going on. Hopefully, Ayuk has his head on right. Hopefully, it's nothing to be concerned about. Hopefully, he can play Week 2 against Philadelphia and have kind of, I don't want to say remake or recreate, but the play against Philadelphia last year, hopping over the defender for a TD. Uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see Air Aiyuk in Week 2 against Philadelphia, and hopefully he can actually be out there. Uh, but there are some positives today. And again, we, we are going to talk about Jason Verrett's injury. But there are some positives today. Jimmy, mother, whatever you want to put in there, Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo. All of the offseason noise, all of the offseason talk. Is he gonna get traded? Is he gonna get released? He's not quarterback one. You had the plethora of Niner fans, the silent or the the loud minority, screaming and proclaiming Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. He shouldn't be quarterback one. What does Jimmy Garoppolo do after a long offseason, a tumultuous offseason? What does he do? 17 of 25, 314 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo's first 300 yard passing game since the Saints game in 2019, where he went toe to toe with Drew Brees. And he gave up four touchdowns, five touchdowns, and led that team to a victory in New Orleans. Jimmy Garoppolo was phenomenal 12.6 yards. On average, all the talk, Jimmy Garoppolo looked like quarterback one. He proved he's quarterback one. QBR of 75, a rating of 124.2. If you had any any doubts, any questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm telling you right now, I understand he's limited. But what Jimmy Garoppolo does, and I've been saying it since the beginning of the offseason, since the beginning of preseason, what he does so well... Moves the ball efficiently down the field as a unit. Gets you that key third down. Gets you the ball in a position to score. Puts his receivers and his running backs in places they can succeed. And I understand he can can miss a throw high. He can have that dumb throw. We all understand who Jimmy Garoppolo is. And we all know who he isn't. But the thing is, what Jimmy Garoppolo is is a really damn good quarterback. And he proved that on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. 314 yards. One touchdown was moving the ball up and down the field consistently. Jimmy freaking Garoppolo, he was evading sacks. He looked like 2018 Jimmy pre-ACL. Or 2017 Jimmy pre-ACL tear, where he came in more five games in a row and just ran down the Jaguars defense. Jimmy Garoppolo looked phenomenal. But who's Jimmy Garoppolo's counterpart? Who is pushing Jimmy Garoppolo? Trey Lance had the finger injury during the preseason against the Raiders. He obviously wasn't ready to play. And what I mean by that is physically, you weren't going to ask him to push the ball down the field. You weren't going to have him go out there and throw, you know, a 40 yard pass. There was was an instance where it was 3 and a 3rd and 20. Jimmy just got called for um, intentional grounding. You're sitting there like, what are they going to do? Going for the first down? Going for the touchdown here? Like, 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 what is the game plan? They bring in Trey Lance, and you're saying, oh, well, I thought Lance's finger was hurt. What are they going to do? And they do a a read option play? Like, why? And let's go back to the first dive of the game here because... The first night of the game, Niners well they did they, they fumble. <laughs> but after the fumble, and, and Garoppolo calms himself down, because Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback who needs to get into rhythm. The fumble you're sitting there like, this game's gonna get ugly. Like, not the start you wanted. And if I laughed. I was like, how ironic is that? How ironic is Garoppolo fumbles the football? First snap of the game, all this pressure on him, fumbles the ball. But he calms down gets his bearings, leads this team all the way to the red zone, and then Trey Lance comes in. And I'm thinking, great, they're going to run the ball here, score a touchdown, cool. Then Trey Lance throws the ball, gets a TD, Trent Shurfield, great moment. I will never forget where Trey Lance was, where I was, who they were playing, who the catch was to. Trey Lance's first touchdown, a five-yard pass, Trent Shurfield on the left side of the end zone, near the pylon he runs it in Trey Lance's first career NFL touchdown in the regular season congrats Trey Lance but to me that play was (laughs) to to me that play was almost like a hey let's throw it here won't put any pressure on Trey's finger we can get him a touchdown we can score early then the rest of the game because now the Lions think Trey can throw the football we're going to read options the entire time And guess what? Touchdown, great. The rest of it didn't freaking work. How Trey Lance was used on Sunday, and I get he was limited, but they mismanaged it. He was not used in situations where he can succeed. He was not ready to play on Sunday, and he probably shouldn't have played at all. Jimmy Garoppolo was in the rhythm. And by no means is it Trey Lance's fault for the collapse. It is no one's singular fault for the collapse or near collapse in the fourth quarter. But the way Kyle Shanahan used Trey Lance didn't make sense. It was, you can tell from a mile away what they were going to do. Again, the pass in the first drive, touchdown. Now Shanahan's thinking, well, now they got them on their toes. They think Lance can throw the ball now. No, because every single time, the three times after that, Lance touched the ball, read option, read option, read option. Two yards on the ground. Trey Lance is a quarterback. And I understand. I I get it. He can't throw. I understand. If that's the case, I also get you want to get him reps, but if that's the case, he can't throw. He cannot be a quarterback. Why try to utilize him in this somewhat of a wildcat offense? The Lions know he's not going to throw the ball. They know when it's first and five on your own 35 he's not gonna throw the football you want to know why because he can't and that's okay that's nothing against trey lance weird injury happened you know the the finger it happens let him take a sunday off let him learn if garoppolo fumbles like he did let him see that mistake and learn from it if garoppolo threw a pick let him learn from that. Let, let him read the defenses. Let him see what they're throwing at Garoppolo rather than pushing Lance out there and having him fail. And again, I I don't know how you'd rate Trey Lance's debut. I'd give it a C plus. Touchdown pass. You got your feet wet in the NFL. You saw what a defense looked like, but the game looked fast. He didn't he didn't look like the composed Trey Lance. I understand. Limited in what he can do. You know, it's like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here, but it's like taking what you have, this amazing thing, and and you just put it in a box. But what that thing can do outside the box is is explosive. It's incredible what they can do outside of the box. And Kyle limited what Lance can do. And I understand why the injury obviously caused that, but... It does reflect on how Lance played. It does reflect in the decisions Shanahan made to use Lance and why he decided to use him. There was a better way to go about using Lance. Let him get the the touchdown pass. Let him get his feet wet. Use him sparingly. Use him in short yardage downs and don't just do read options. Let him hand the ball off. Let them think he's going to run the ball. Let him think he's going to pass the ball. Instead, it was pass, run, run, run. And then they're like, okay, we're done. Like, okay, we're done. And that's not how you utilize a star quarterback like Trey Lance. I would have rather you either sat him the entire game and or pass play in the beginning, then just hand the ball off to Hasty or Mitchell the entire game. Do quick screen screen routes. It's no pressure on his finger. They're quick. He can get out of the game quickly. But instead it was pass, read option, read option for two yards on three carries and up 0.7 yards per carry. Trey Lance is a quarterback. I understand week one, once he's healthy, we will see what Trey Lance can do. You will see, you know, full-fledged, fully formed Trey Lance. What we saw was a quarterback who had a hurt hand and couldn't do much but they put him out there anyway to do what if you didn't want to give defenses maybe an idea of what you're gonna do in the regular season during preseason why would you give them three plays four technically with the pass of what you're gonna do now when you know he's limited like those two things don't line up they don't add up and so I didn't like how Trey Lance was used. Again, I can't wait to see him going forward when he's healthy, when the finger's okay. But I want to move to who Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing the ball to. And that's Debo. Debo Samuels. My goodness, Debo Samuel. Nine catches, 189 yards, 21 yards per catch, one touchdown on 12 targets, 79-yard bomb from Jimmy Garoppolo you got to be kidding me you're wondering why isn't I playing it didn't matter you're wondering most of it's what's going to happen it didn't matter and i understand Detroit Lions not great team not a great defense new head coach new entire staff Debo Samuel was someone Kyle Shanahan used to exploit This Detroit Lions defense, and he did it, it seemed like on every single play, every single time Debo touched the ball, it literally, it went for 21 yards. Talk about getting Debo back. Last year, Debo, he had had a broken leg. He wasn't really himself. He gained some weight. Now he's back in shape, has his legs under him, and that looked like 2019 against Green Bay. Against Seattle, in Seattle, that looked like the Debo Samuel that was picked in the second round of the NFL draft. That looked like the Debo Samuel you want to see day in, day out. That looked like the Anquan Bolden 2.0 Debo Samuel we like to see. That looked like the Yak Monster, one part of the Yak Bros, Debo Samuel, we like to see. Not, I don't want to say <laughs> not good, but... Not the hindered Debo Samuel we saw last year. Debo Samuel, if he's not player of the game, again, you can give it to Jimmy Garoppolo or or Lyta Mitchell, but Debo Samuel, he was the best player other than those two guys and probably above those two guys on the offense. Talk about a 2021 season debut. Debo Samuel, nine receptions, 189 yards, 21 yards per catch but I think we all know the biggest story of the game <laughs> other than the collapse was the injury to Jason Verrett and there was three noticeable injuries I saw against the Lions obviously there he mostert or one Dre Greenlaw he hurt his groin doesn't seem to be serious but again something to look out for but the Jason Verrett injury and so I worked at 95-7 the game I was working the Niner game there Uh, And it's Bonte Hill, Joe Shasky, we're talking and everything, and uh, I go to the bathroom, and I come back into the studio, and I see the TV, and I go, um, what happened to Verrett? (laughs) Because all I see is him crying and limping on the sideline, walking back to the locker room. I didn't see what happened. I didn't see, you know, him go to the ground holding his knee. All I saw was, I was like, why is Verrett in tears? Like, what is going on? And I walk in, and the guys that that were there, they go, oh, yeah, Verrett got hurt. And I go, what happened? They go, non-contact knee injury. And I'm sure, like you, my heart just sunk. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. This guy who battled injuries his entire career, dating back to TCU in college, in Los Angeles slash San Diego with the Chargers, this guy has never been healthy. And I remember when they first signed Jason Verrett before the 2019 season, I'm sitting there like, oh, man, you gave me Sherm, Jason Verrett on the same secondary. Ooh, better watch out. But now I'm sitting here like Sherm's gone. Might bring him back. Shanahan said they might talk to him. But now I'm sitting there like, man, like my heart just feels for Jason Verrett. Like my heart hurts for this guy. Because he's battled back so many times. And this is a big injury. Because not only do you feel for Verrett, now, Not only does your heart reach out to him and you just go, man, like, out of all the guys, man, you want no one to get hurt. But out of all the guys, week one, coming off a phenomenal season where we saw what peak Jason Verrett can be. Where when his body is right, what Jason Verrett can be an elite defensive player an elite cornerback an elite coverage player in the nfl it's taken away from him again on a non-contact knee injury and just breaks my heart (laughs) one because one i want to win football games but two because his story is so incredible what he's battled back from he's a phenomenal person and it's so unfortunate he had to go through this and uh, moving on to the team aspect Who's playing (laughs) cornerback? Verett's out now. Mosley had the hamstring, was questionable going into Sunday. He didn't play. And this kind of leads into the collapse issue. Once Verett goes down, Shanahan starts pulling players out, and you're sitting there like, okay, good. Get these guys out of the game. Then all of a sudden Ward goes down, Ford goes down, and you're sitting there like, dude, (laughs) get these guys out of the game now. You know, the the old quote, you play to win the game. You play to survive the game. <laughs> like, come on. Again, there's so many injury scares, and and, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, like, are we going to lose this game? Like, because we got Dante the Barnacle Johnson out there playing cornerback. And I, and, and I like Dante Johnson. His story is one of those where you're like, all right, yeah, he's back. Cool. But then you're like, well, you're a fifth, sixth corner. There's a reason why they cut him (laughs) because they knew he'd pass through waivers. They knew a guy like Harris wouldn't pass through waivers. They signed Josh Norman. You think, oh, well, you know, Norman has a a week to play, should be active. So then Verrett goes down. And you're sitting there like, we have John Lenore, Ambry Thomas, who is not ready for the NFL yet. Not one bit ready for the NFL to play cornerback in the NFL again. Didn't play last year. He needs time, just like Trey Lance. He needs time. But Norman's not playing. Verrett's hurt. Mosley's hurt. And you're relying on guys. And let's be honest here, it was very, it was eerily similar to that Eagles and Dolphins game, where you're like, we got Dante Johnson and guy that was working at Lucky's last week. <laughs> like, that, like, that's, we got Brian Allen working across from Dante Johnson. He's getting burnt 24-7. There's a reason why the Lions almost came back down 27 points in the fourth quarter. They scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. Inexcusable. But now it's, well, if Mosley can't play next week, Norman should be able to play. Shanahan said he could play this week against the Lions, but then didn't suit him up for whatever reason. I, I don't understand that choice. Knowing you have injury history with Verrett, knowing Mosley is hurt. I understand maybe you want to get, you know, Lenore some time, but you need to have your best players out there. Week one, you need to have Josh Norman ready to play. But instead, you choose, and again, I think that's the big thing. This is a choice to, if someone goes down, you are solely reliant on three guys. Lenore, Thomas, and and Johnson. Out of those guys, you trust Lenore because he's flashed the most. He's proven to, to be the best guy out of those guys. But it's not... It, it, it's just baffling. It's baffling as to why Kyle Shanahan chose that. Like, again, it's a choice. Why did Kyle Shanahan choose to not activate Josh Norman? Why did Kyle Shanahan choose to leave some of these guys in there? And again, it's it's a valid criticism, but one I don't like to make. I hate to say, well, you left that guy in there because injuries happen. But it's just baffling as to you're up. The Niners were up 31-10 to 10 at halftime. They were up 27 points at a certain point in the game. In the fourth quarter, those guys shouldn't have been out there. At all. And if they were, I'm not blaming Shanahan one bit injuries happen. It it could have been Jimmy, it could have been Lance, it could have been name one single player. But the frustrating part is, and I, I'm not saying Shanahan caused it, but now we're sitting here week 1 going like who do we have? And and now we're in desperation mode sitting back like uh like Shanahan said, you know, we, we might bring back Sherman. And it's like and and, and I like that move. He knows the system. He's a veteran presence. But it's like now we're reliant on a rookie, Mosley, who isn't a cornerback number one. And Sherman, who I like Sherman. We all do. We all like Uncle Sherman, but like he's not who he used to be. He's had no offseason due to a variety of reasons. And I don't know how ready he is to play. And I and I, I I do like the prospects of a, a Norman and Sherman secondary, but uh, for what they may <laughs> for what they may have in trash talk, they definitely lack it in coverage skills at this point in their career. And again, I love these guys. But now we're sitting here thinking, are we going to trade someone for Stefan Gilmore? Are we going to trade for CJ Henderson who's in Jacksonville? Like we got to do something now. Unless the plan is to go with Norman as CB1, Mosley as CB2, and Lenore as CB3 with K1 there. But now we're sitting here saying, okay, who's guarding DK? Who's guarding Lockett? Who's guarding DeAndre Hopkins? Who's guarding Cooper Cup? Because, again, no offense to these guys, but I don't trust them too. Jason Vrett locked down DeAndre Hopkins last year. Now we don't have that? And that's concerning. Going into the season, it was, what is the one of the biggest concerns? The secondary. And now you're sitting here like, that secondary just lost arguably, probably their best piece. And now we're sitting here in desperation mode, going into week two of the NFL season. And I'm hoping the injury isn't too bad. I'm hoping if it is an ACL, it, it, it isn't severe. It isn't completely torn. Because... We need someone like Verrett back on this team. And again, I, I trust guys like Lenore. Lenore, <laughs> Lenore, per NFL gen stats, 55 coverage snaps against the Lions, four targets, one reception, three yards allowed. And it's funny because I do want to kind of compare the cornerbacks to the running backs here. Mostert is your Verrett. Verrett is your Mostert. Okay. Your top guy goes down. The next guy you drafted, Trey Sermon, Ambry Thomas, well, they ain't ready. Thomas tried to play. He ain't ready yet. I'll be patient. 2021 NFL draft class, I'll be patient. And we all should be. With Lance, with Banks, with Sermon. But here's an issue here. Thomas ain't ready to play. Sermon ain't ready to play. Banks was a healthy scratch alongside Sermon. And Lance wasn't ready to play. Variety of different reasons. But when your first four picks ain't ready to play? Can't play? I mean, (laughs) what else do you think someone like myself, someone in radio, someone who does a podcast, a fan should think? Like, I'm not questioning these guys' ability to play the game. What I am questioning is, why aren't they ready? Again, Mostert, running back's corners, Mostert is red. Red is Mostert. <laughs> you're sitting there going, we have this one top guy, high hopes, but has injury history. Both those guys go down. The guy who you drafted next isn't ready to play? So you're reliant on guys like an Elijah Mitchell and a John Lenore, And thank God, Demo and Elijah played phenomenal. They played lights out. They carried their position against detroit because this game got scary (laughs) this game got scary late like we went on the air at 95 7 the game thinking all right game's over oh man like niners won they're up you know whatever 41 to whatever it was at the time And, and we're all sitting there like oh god like we need to get off the air Like this game's not over yet like put the post game on hold like this is a game again And we're sitting there 20 seconds left in the game thinking, oh, the Niners are going to lose against the Detroit Lions. Oh, my God. And it's like, they almost did. They almost did. Like, it's unacceptable what happened on Sunday versus Detroit. Unacceptable what happened. You do not get to go up 41 points. 41 points. That's how many points you scored. And then almost lose the game. And Debo Samuel mentioned this in his post-game presser. He said, yeah, you know, Shanahan asked us about the game and no one said anything. Because they're all sitting there like, we know we messed up. Debo's fumble. That shouldn't happen. Kittle can't cover an onside kick. That can't happen. And these guys know that. Like, there was no excuses there. And it's really annoying, too, because out of all the good... All the good. Jimmy Garoppolo played great. Devo Samuel played great. Trey Lance had a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell looked great. Demo Lenore looked great. Jaquiski Tart looked good. Nick Bosa came back, got a sack. Dee Ford got a sack. When you're sitting there thinking the pass rush is back, should have had more sacks by far. I don't understand why you know, Bosa and Ford and Armstead couldn't get past Panay Sewell me and Rosh from RS Niners talk this past week about this game, thinking they're going to eat this kid alive. This kid came out and he balled. He balled out. Niners had, what, three sacks all game? Street had a sack. Bosa and Ford, that was the only ones I counted. It, Alshair played great. It's like, but all that's going to be overshadowed because you lost your top corner and you almost blew the freaking game. In the fourth quarter, we had to go off the air, and then come back on. Like that's behind the glass a little bit, maybe a little too much information. But that's what it was like experiencing it in real life. I'm I'm texting the guys like, yo, like we got to get off the air. (laughs) Like this game isn't over. We we all thought it was. The fans thought it was. And and we're talking about the nine. It's like, oh, great win, great win. Psych. Game on the line. You got 20 seconds. Detroit's marching and Jared Goff with his bum freaking receiving core is marching up and down the field against you nonstop. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Come on. The Niners play week two on the road in Philadelphia. They got to make roster moves. They got to make roster moves. They have to. This was a pure emotional podcast I wanted to get out to you guys because I love this team. It's an overreaction Monday, you could say. But, man, this felt eerily like a Jets game last year, where the breath is sucked right out of how well you're doing. Losing Verette, almost losing the game, having Mostert go down felt eerily similar to what happened in New York on that crappy turf at MetLife. It was deflating and it took away from all the great things we saw on Sunday. And that's unfortunate because there were so many good things. Guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this rant, this 40 minutes of Niners talk, this 40 minutes of emotional conversation if you did enjoy it. And I hope you did. Follow us on social media, Instagram, 49ers.access, Twitter, 49ers underscore access. Don't forget to like, share, leave a review. Subscribe to the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Subscribe to 49ers Access. You are not going to want to miss a podcast coming later this week talking about that matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be fire? Swarming? Whatever phrase you want to use that works. (laughs) We're going to preview that Eagles game later on this week. You're not going to want to miss a thing. Again, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49ers Access Podcast. And until next time, until next week, until you hear my voice next time, until we share another intimate moment of Niners Talk, stay faithful.